Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. This is episode 17. Now, every Monday, we round up the week's most important technology, digital, and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masugu, broadcaster and entrepreneur, and my co-host on the show, as always, is tech entrepreneur and executive editor of iAfrican.com, Defo Mohapi. How's it, bruv? I'm good. Just enjoying my banana. <laughs> Dude is eating on the show. <laughs> And in the event you're listening in for the first time, my advice is head straight to africantechroundup.com to catch up on what you've been missing out on. And while you're at it, do sign up for our weekly newsletter to get the podcast sent straight to your inbox every Monday. And you can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at African Roundup. Give us a shout and we'd like to know what you think of the show. Stick around because in this week's discussion segment, we discuss the vital importance of data accuracy. Because therefore, did you know that one in six African males have hunted a lion on foot, killed it with their bare hands, and have used the animal's meat and hide to provide food and clothing for an estimated 583 million women and children? Not a chance. (laughs) (laughs) No? You didn't know? (laughs) Not a chance. (laughs) We'll be talking why it might be important for data accuracy on the continent to be something we achieve. First, though, this week's African Tech Roundup is supported by our sister podcast, African Tech Conversations, which is produced by the same stellar team which produces this very podcast. Now, the latest installment of the show is definitely worth a listen. It features an insight-filled conversation with Brandon Doyle, the co-founder and CEO of Africa's biggest ICT-focused investment fund, Convergence Partners. Now, Brandon gave me an update on how well Convergence Partners' legacy business portfolio is doing, and that portfolio includes successful investments uh, like Ccom and Dimension Data. And he also told me how he's planning to invest the 200 million odd US dollars that Convergence Partners has managed to woo into its recently closed communication infrastructure fund. Here he is telling me how his career compares to what he dreamt of becoming when he was a kid growing up in Durban. My hope was always to be able to do something that was a combination of financial and creative. Initially, I I wanted to be an architect, to be honest. Investing across Africa, there's a significant degree of creativity required because you're creating the opportunities as you go. There's a, a strong financial bent to it as well, of course, in terms of making sure you're investing in the right things and generating the right returns, have the right risk models. So I'm pretty sure if I was told when I was eight, this is what I'll be doing, I'd be pretty happy with Now, again, you can listen to the full in-depth chat I had with Brandon, as well as conversations I've had with other leading entrepreneurs and thought leaders from Africa's technology scene, all on African Tech Conversations, which you'll find at africantechroundup.com. Right, it's news time. First up, give it up for Nigeria, which this week earned the honor of being declared the world's fastest growing telecoms market as internet penetration rises to a whopping 88 million. Yeah, I mean, this is this is insane. Insane in the sense that it's good because it means more opportunities for techpreneurs. This is despite the slow broadband penetration in the country. I mean, it still has a steady and impressive growth rate in mobile internet penetration according to recent statistics from the NCC, which is the Nigeria. 
Healthcare and Communications Commission. And it's reported that as of January this year, the mobile penetration was at 81 million, give or take. As at April this year, the figure rose again to about 86 million, close to 87 million, before hitting the 88 million mark in May this year. People are saying it's probably thanks to the mass migration from feature phones to smartphones. Do you think that's true? I don't think there's probably a few Android, cheap Android handsets, but I don't think you've seen uh, a lot of massive adoption of smartphones, but it'll get there. Well, if you have any insights to share with us around why you think internet penetration is growing at such a rapid pace in Nigeria, please give us a shout. To Benin now, where hip-hop musician turned philanthropist Akon and his business partners, and I hope I say this right, Tione Nyang and Samba Batali, have ended their two-week roadshow promoting the Akon Lighting Up Africa initiative on the continent. Well, with all this lights and everything, he's probably not far from being lonely these days. <laughs> well played, homie, well played. <laughs> yeah, but let's get back to serious stuff. Uh, I mean, they announced their intent to harness clean solar energy uh, with a project which aims to generate and set up smart schools in Africa. Uh, so they talk about electrification first and then education after that. I think it's a good initiative. Electricity is part of the foundation of good economies and education literally builds on top of that. I like that. Electrification first and then education next. I, I'm one of those who was a little skeptical when Akon came out with this project on some, I'm going to, you know, basically save Africa and all that. And to his credit, he's really made good on a lot of the things that he set out to do. No doubt, thanks to the model they're using, this public-private partnership model that seems to be working quite well and also bringing world-class partners to, to get the actual job done. They're now present in, what, 14 countries throughout the continent. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive, but the flip side to that is this shouldn't be happening. Governments should be providing these services. Who needs governments when we have hip-hop stars? <laughs> or he just came back home because he was lonely. <laughs> Lots of excitement came out of Kenya this past week following an announcement by Safaricom that developers can now finally apply to use Impesa's API. How excited are you, therefore? This is this is amazing. This is brilliant. I mean, again, it will well, they've just opened it up, so one needs to check what's available, what data you can access, how you can interact with Impesa system. But this opens up application opportunities, this opens up so many possibilities. I, I ju- I'm just excited. Look, of course, they have been quick to, to remind us all that this is for selected partners and developers. No doubt they'll be handpicking very carefully. It's a big brand they've built here, and they don't want it uh, ruined by trigger-happy developers who don't quite know what they're doing. Ah, oh, come on. Just open it up. Let everybody use it. And I know how you feel about keeping things open and free, but I, I think they're doing the right thing here. I think, uh, the, uh, look, I haven't, uh, not, not much details have been given technically in terms of what's available, but I'd assume and hope that they give us like different levels of access and some of it being paid depending on what features you want i'm sensing a hackathon on its way (laughs) definitely some form of payment hackathon i'm sure they better be paying with the money in pesos rolling in anyway (laughs) well in other news facebook continues its march to total world domination and i don't use those words lightly it's unveiled its first full-scale drone designed to provide internet access in remote parts of the world. Basically, it's a move that our content producer, Peter Pile, has described as internet.org on steroids. Nah, I mean, he, he's perfect. He, he sums it up. 
Can you imagine these? I mean, they say these things have a wingspan of a Boeing 737 and they'll go up into the sky above the normal level that aeroplanes would go during the day. So they chill above the clouds with enough sunlight for their solar panels. And as it gets darker, they sort of descend to a level to hibernate in a way. But can you imagine a sky full of like 737s? It's It's like science fiction stuff. I'm telling you, and they even have cool names like Aquila. Ooh, Aquila. <laughs> Look, I mean, Facebook's come out saying that their mission is to connect everybody in the world, and I would not underestimate their intent one bit. They've also said that they'll be testing the aircraft uh, in the U.S. later this year. No doubt their competition, i.e. Google especially, is looking at this going, ooh, market share on its way out the door. Yeah, I mean, they failed. We had a... What was that? Google Loon or Looney Tunes or whatever it was that fell out the sky into the Kalahari the other day trying to provide internet? I'd say Google has to watch its back with this one. And and certainly I'm hoping Facebook has plans to use this responsibly and certainly for the for the public good. I think this is a good... In- as much as we can talk uh, about the negatives of internet.org and what these big organizations are trying to do with providing internet access to people and net neutrality... But this is good. I mean, giving people internet access as a utility like this and pumping money into it, part of it is quite good. D-Day is nigh as the Nigerian Communications Commission, the NCC, last week issued a seven-day ultimatum to network providers to deactivate all pre-registered SIM cards or face sanctions. Looks like they're taking the SIM card security thing quite seriously now. They are taking it quite seriously, but I, I would have thought that they would have, as a country, sorted out their identity system first and have a national identity system that's rolled out to everybody first and then bring in these NCC regulations for SIM cards. Because at the moment with these NCC regulations as we previously covered they just ask people to bring any form of uh, photo identity so it can be a passport or any form of authenticated or certified uh, photo identity but not necessarily a national id so still lots of room for fraud i guess probably less i think they're a little desperate because this fraud situation seems to be getting out of control and it's it's not something that nigeria uh, wants to have associated with their country apparently of the 120 million sim cards that have been registered and transmitted to the central database by operators as at September 2014, 45% were deemed invalid. But less than 30% of the invalid records have since been resubmitted for correction. So I suppose they're trying to put pressure on the networks to do what's right as well and then follow up on incidents of fraud or at least potentially incidents of fraud. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cleaning up, literally. They're trying to clean up uh, the records. They're trying to ensure that everybody who owns a SIM card is accounted for. Again, it goes back to national security. It goes back to fraud. It goes back to intelligence. So, yeah, they're trying to clean up. Whether a, a criminal's using a network or someone else, as long as they're sort of being billed, the, the mobile networks wouldn't care either way, I guess, to be fair. Look, in this case, they don't have a carrot to chase in terms of in- incentives, but they've got a stick behind their back in terms of <laughs> we take off your, your operating license if you don't comply. <laughs> Seven days, y'all. You heard, <laughs> you heard the man. Now, it seems the Dot Africa case is far from closed. Now, I'll tell you straight up, I'm totally lost in the thicket with this one. What's going, what's going on with this? Look, we were supposed to have a Dot Africa top-level domain, or what we call a TLD, by, I think, last year, 2014, if not early this year. And there's been two parties who've been battling for the rights for this and have been going to court, to ICAM, and all sorts of places, and even in public fighting over this. One party is .connect Africa, 
which is led by an Ethiopian lady. And they claim that they had the rights to run the .africa domain. And the other party is a South African organization which runs our local uh, top-level domain, .za, uh, ZACR. And they also claim that they had the rights to run .africa because they had letters from, I think, all African countries from the AU proving that they support their their bid to run uh, .africa because you have to bid with ICANN and prove that countries support you. And now this has been dragging for on and on. And I've even given up. I mean, we were all so excited when this was announced that we're going to have a .africa top-level domain. And now it's, yeah... So the question comes back again is who should really control the internet? Pretty unfortunate and quite embarrassing for the for the continent that even with something we don't own <laughs> we can't get it right. Yeah, it's it's very sad. Makes me sad. Our last story is an exciting one. It's prominent thought leaders uh, in the field of data and innovation from Ghana, Kenya, Zambia, Rwanda and Senegal. Interesting how South Africa isn't on that list. Um, have announced the launch of a platform called Accurate Africa, and that's accurate with an eight. Um, it's an, it's a platform that aims to improve the accuracy of data on the continent. Now they're setting up before the adoption of the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, uh, in New York at the 70th UN General Assembly in September. This is good news. Firstly, yes, it is good news. But to answer your question, why South Africa is not there? Most likely because we've got places like Statistics South Africa and we've got so many initiatives that are both government-led and citizen-led and private organizations-led that collect and verify and clean data that uh, such an initiative wouldn't really add much impact to us. I suppose when you consider the level of investment South Africa has made on the rest of the continent, it might be in their best interest as well. And also if you consider the implications on, and maybe that's this is a great way to, to start our conversation around um, the discussion we're having today around why data accuracy is so important. Perhaps maybe, let me not preempt it, let me ask you rather to tell me what's at stake when data isn't correct? Well, policy policymakers rely on data to make decisions, to allocate budgets, to decide what needs to be changed in the country. So if data is inaccurate, even by small percentile or few numbers, it can screw everything up, literally, to put it in layman's terms. And sometimes it's not even as subtle as that. I mean, this has been floating around the internet for a while. 89% of Zambian women overwhelmingly support domestic violence and corporate punishment. Who comes up with this stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's it's half-baked uh, statistics and as well as um, anecdotes. I mean, somebody once said that anecdotes is where truth goes to die because people take a few incidents and they come up with numbers, round them off and come up with percentages and claim that's fact, that's that proves that it's true. So yeah, this Accurate Africa is definitely welcome as a platform to clean up and collect like reliable data so that better decisions can be made. One thing of last year where there were all these exaggerated growth statistics uh, concerning the Nigerian economy and all this incorrect data around how many people are actually living on the continent. I think I'm beginning to understand how dangerous it is to have all this faulty census data and all these erroneous GDP calculations floating around. It seems we need a full stop to, to this nonsense. Yeah, we do. And I, I also think they need to, I don't know how accurate Africa is going to work, but I think they need to cooperate also with the private sector because there's a lot of data sitting with uh, banks, sitting with mobile operators, which can be aggregated together with other sources to give you meaningful sort of analysis. Take, for instance, uh, banking data where banks have people's spending habits, they know the cycles of when people spend what, where. 
they have all the people's personal records in terms of identification. So in countries where there's no national ID system, the likelihood is that a bank already has somebody's ID photo to recognize them when they want to withdraw money. They already have their signature. They already have their home address, postal address, etc. So And they already know how much they owe. So that could be co-opted or collaborated into a platform like this. But also things like mobile operators. I mean, uh, we recently had an article an African where someone wrote about how they used uh, mobile operators recharging data so how people recharge they're prepaid and they could map the wealth of a country like oh this many wealthy people live in this area because of the amounts they read not wealthy as in millionaires but in terms of the different levels of income because these ones you know, recharge regularly and they recharge with higher amounts where areas in a certain area they recharge maybe cyclically either weekly because they're a wage earner they earn wages weekly or they recharge with very low amounts daily or something like that so it's very interesting but accurate data is very key to the continent's growth so there's chaos that comes when uh, data isn't readily available and certainly isn't accurate and there's a lot of opportunity that comes out of that and i'm thinking that there are people who might have a vested interest in keeping us in the dark about exactly what the state of affairs on the continent is is thinking like that far-fetched or do you think there's something there well, there's something there. I mean, wherever there's chaos, there's, there's always opportunity for somebody who can see beyond the chaos. So in terms of data, there's a lot of chaos, especially in places like Nigeria and even Ghana, I believe, where there isn't, there's like lots of data silos where licensing department will have their own database passport department or the yeah the passport or internal affairs department will have their own database and none of those are linked so that's literally a bit chaotic in terms of you could claim to be someone else on one database and claim to be somebody else on another database so they're people who are who've got ulterior motives because you use that to their advantage but also if you're a corporation this is where why gov it's important for governments to have clear guidelines in terms and, and, and a central database if you're a corporation that's in the business of databases and doing that it benefits you to have a government that's disorganized because the more instances of a, of different databases the more money for you unlike when there's one central database where all data is collected centrally and yeah that means less opportunities for you but again this is my conspiracy side of the mind speaking i suppose even in in the private sector one has to wonder why huge companies with all this rich data aren't collaborating more to make more sense of it one might assume that it's more profitable for things to stay the way they are no definitely it is i mean it gives people monopoly once you've got and also, let's not forget that people have worked hard and taken a lot of time and a lot of hustle and a lot of grinding to get that much data in their companies. I'm thinking of banks here. I'm thinking of mobile service providers. To have that kind of data that they have takes a lot of hard work starting from scratch. So, yeah, there is, there, there is, there is something to them not wanting to share it. But I think there is a bit of that data they can share. Well, here's to hoping Accurate gets it right. We'll certainly be watching very closely to see what comes out of it and hoping that uh, some of the input they provide towards the UN General Assembly will be life-changing to our continent. Accurate is a great platform, as we've been saying throughout this conversation. But also the other thing is you've got data, clean, it's reliable, 
But now comes the analysis and what decisions you make out of it or what stories you tell from it. Analysis needs very skilled people as well. So you can't just give the data to anyone who's not clued up in the specific area that they're looking at, whether it be agriculture or housing or finance. For example, somebody might see that, uh, I'm going to make a very absurd example, not related to Africa or anything we're talking about, but somebody might see that as every time that Jim Curry releases a movie, there's a spike in children diagnosed with autism and they say they put the two graphs together and like they they see that they correlate and go yep ben jim curry he causes autism so that which is in statistical data terms is correlation without causation so they might correlate but one doesn't cause the other so with uh, the data collection and the data the reliable data needs to come skilled people who can analyze that data and in and help policymakers to make better decisions. So this data must not just be taken as it is and handed to unskilled people or even politicians, sorry to say that, but even politicians who, not, who, are, who might not be skilled in that area because they might derive the wrong conclusions from it. I'd like to hear from you. What do you think uh, is going to come out of this, this brand new initiative? Uh, what are you hoping is going to come out of this new initiative? What sort of data are you looking forward to getting in absolute accuracy regarding our continent. Also, please do tell us what the most ridiculous statistic you've heard about the African continent, besides the one I shared at the beginning of the show. Please, can we sort out this football age data? Because you've got people who look like they're 50 claiming to be under 21s. Please. (laughs) Apparently, when you become a football star on the continent, you never age a day past 22. No, there was one. I think it was Samson Siasia in Nigeria, who a couple of months or weeks ago celebrated, I think his 40th uh, wedding anniversary or 30th. But somewhere along those lines, and somebody quickly noted that, wait, he must have been 16 when he was married, given his football age then. (laughs) Well, I'm tuning you now. (laughs) Yeah, but we need accurate data, guys. Please, yeah, you know how to get in touch with us, at African Roundup on Twitter. Use the hashtag ATRU, and of course, if you'd like an audio comment of yours to feature on a future episode of the show, be sure to use the hashtag ATRU comment, and our team will be on it like white on rice. Now, once again, this week's African Tech Roundup is supported by our sister podcast, African Tech Conversations, which this week features an in-depth chat with co-founder and CEO of Africa's biggest ICC-focused investment fund, Brandon Doyle. To listen to this insight-filled interview I had with Brandon, as well as conversations with other leading entrepreneurs and thought leaders from Africa's technology scene, head straight to africantechroundup.com. Well, until next week, it's cheers from me, Andile Masugu, and... Therefore, I'm happy. Take it easy. Cheers, guys.